Hello, and welcome back. Last recording, I had a chance to share a bit more on choral and uh, part of the multiple cultures and history of it and how it's taken or it had a role. And I was very happy to do that. And so as life goes on, and different topics came up. And um, one of them was still about choral. And it's about the, how the robots are helping revive coral reefs. Now, I have spoken about coral quite a few times, each time trying to give a different angle. I uh, remember going on how sound enhancement helps. And um, there's a recording on it, so I'll let you get to it. And there I just spoke about reefs, uh, as in R-R-E-F-E-E-F-S. Um, a fantastic group that is taking wisdom, smartness, and ingeniosity. It's very smart people. Two smart people that put together a, an exercise dedicated to recreating um, reefs. And they do it in a very creative as well as very clever way. And I, they do an amazing job also at keeping that company going. Um, but today I want to talk to you about the blue tech angle, how some robots are trained to help revive coral reefs. And this article uh, that we could fit within blue tech actually came out by a business reporter. Now, that is an important point. Uh, it was authored by Ad Adrienne Murray a few days ago. And the reason I bring that point up is quite often people talk about the environment and how it would be nice if and so forth. But there are a lot of intangibles. And to suddenly have business reporters going on about this, I think it just shows the constant need and interest and looking to find ways to mark and value the environment and the imperatives of it, although we're not able to fully measure in ways that we have been used for other exercises, it is a very, very, and more and more dynamic need that is looking to be met. Um, this article was authored by Adrienne Murray, as I just mentioned, and the title of it, and you can find it uh, within the bbc.com um, pages within business, hey, hey, uh, robots are trained, trained to help revive coral reefs. And here it goes. It's a really special part of the world, says marine biologist Taryn Foster from the Albrojos Islands, 40 miles from coast of Western Australia. There are no palm trees or luscious vegetation, but once you get in the water, you see all these tropical species of coral and fish. Corals and animal, corals are animals called polyps, found mostly in tropical waters. The soft-bodied polyp forms a harder outer shell by extracting calcium carbonate from the sea. Over time, those hard shells build up to form the foundations of the reefs we see today. Coral reefs may only cover 0.2% of the seafloor, but they provide a habitat to more than a quarter of marine species. However, the creatures are sensitive to heat and acidification, so in recent years, as the oceans have warmed and become more acidic, corals have become vulnerable to disease and death. Damaged corals turn white, a process known as bleaching, something Mrs. Foster has witnessed firsthand. According to the Global Coral Reef Monitoring Network, a 1.5 degree centigrade increase in water temperature could see losses of between 70% and 90% of the world's reefs. 
Some scientists think that by 2070, they'll be gone altogether. Climate change is the most significant threat to coral reefs around the world, says Kathy Page from the Australian Institute of Marine Science. Severe bleaching events caused by climate change can have very negative effects, Mrs. Page continues, and we don't have good solutions yet. Coral restoration efforts usually involve transplanting tiny corals cultivated in nurseries on to damaged reefs. However, the work can be slow and costly, and only a fraction of the reefs at risk are getting help. In the shallow waters of the Albrohol's Islands, Mrs. Foster is attesting a system she hopes will revive reefs more quickly. It involves graphing coral fragments into small plugs, which are inserted into a moulded base. Those bases are then placed in batches on the seabed. Mrs. Foster designed the base, which is shaped like a flat disc with groves and a handle and is made from a limestone-type concrete. We wanted it to be something we could mass-produce at a reasonable price, explains Mrs. Foster, and easy for a diver or a remotely operated vehicle to deploy. So far, the results have been encouraging. We've deployed several different prototypes of our coral skeletons, and we've also tested this on four different species, she explains. They're all growing wonderfully. We're bypassing several years of calcification growth that it takes to get to that base size, she says. Mrs. Foster has formed a startup firm called Coral Maker and hopes that a partnership with San Francisco-based engineering software firm Autodesk will accelerate the process further. Their researchers have been training an artificial intelligence to control collaborative robots, cobots, which work closely alongside humans. Some of these processes in coral propagation are just repetitive pick-and-place tasks, and they're ideally suited to robotic automation, says Mrs. Foster. A robotic arm can graft or glue coral fragments to the seed plugs Another places them in the base, using vision systems to make decisions about how to grab it. Every piece of coral is different, even within the same species, so the robots need to recognize coral fragments and how to handle them, says Nick Carey, senior principal research scientist at Autodesk. So far, they're very good at handling the variability in coral shapes. The next step is to move the robots out of the lab, which Mrs. Foster says should happen in the next 12 to 18 months. However, the real world presents many challenges. Wet, living coral needs to be handled delicately, possibly on a moving boat, and salt water is potentially damaging to electronics. We need to ensure we can shield the more vulnerable components, says Mrs. Carey. There's also the high cost of such technology. Coral Maker is betting on demand from the tourism industry, and plans to issue biodiversity credits, which work similarly to carbon credits. To stay ahead of the curve and enable coral reefs to survive a warming future requires a substantial investment of time, money and human capital, says Ames scientist Kathy Page. Her organization and others are exploring methods such as coral seeding for larger-scale restoration work. Coral spawn are collected and fertilized in the lab, the larvae are grown into baby corals in a nursery, before then sowing them onto degraded reefs. Mortality 
in a coral's first year of life is very high. Coral seeding aims to boost the number of young corals on a reef, enhance their survival and growth, says Mrs. Page. Breeding of more resistant super coral as well as radical ideas like geoengineering clouds to reflect sunlight and protect coral from the heat are among other initiatives being considered. One promising innovation involves sound. Fish and other sea creatures living on reefs make a vast range of noises like chattering, cracking and whooping. Researchers have trained computer algorithms to analyze underwater audio recordings and can detect patterns that indicate how healthy a reef is. In Australia, Ames is taking that a step further through research project Reef Song, where underwater loudspeakers placed on damaged reefs play healthy sounds to help attract fish and boost reef replenishment. We're trying to solve one of the most complex ecological problems on the planet, says Mrs. Page who's still hopeful about restoration efforts. It is important to remember, there is no silver bullet solution. There you have it. A very nice article outlining the multiple participation, participants in such an exercise, the multiple angles of science, all working along together, looking to find incredible solutions. This was the Ocean Matters podcast. I hope I find more articles in this field, um, which sort of update of where things are within technology and within the environmental side very nicely and very, very quickly. Thank you very much for listening. Until the next recording.